with James O'Brien. It's four minutes after twelve. It's Thursday. It's Mystery Hour. Oh, let joy be unconfined. This is your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction not ordinarily available anywhere else on your radio dial. You have a question bubbling away somewhere in the back of your brain. It is a question to which you're pretty sure there must be an answer, but you don't know what that answer is. You may have searched, you may not have searched. It may be an answer that would be easily findable. But that's not the point of Mystery Hour. The point of Mystery Hour is as much about the journey towards our destination as it is about the destination itself. So, A, you're not allowed to look stuff up, ever. B, don't be dull, ever. And C, pay attention. Whenever I say the phone number, it means there are phone lines free. If there are phone lines free, you can ring in either with a question, or if you've heard somebody else ask a question to which you know the answer, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Yeah? Yeah. You can ring in with the answer. The number you need, 03456060973. Right on the money. Do you see that? Taking me years to perfect that. Absolute, absolute synergy, symmetry, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, that's it, really. So it's, it's fun, this, if you're new to it. It's um, a bit like those newspaper and magazine features where somebody writes in with a question and somebody else writes in weeks later with an answer except you get your answer here pretty much immediately um or at least by one o'clock if you ask a question that we've already dealt with i to be honest with you I, 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 as i glance at the colleagues assembled for today's mystery hour none of them are going to know frankly the stuff we've been doing for you keith might because keith's only recently joined the team H- however he is a uh mystery our listener of many 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 years standing he likes to listen with his mum they even download the podcast for long car journeys it's a little bit of advice for you there so we'll rely on keith for repetition but we can't be as hard and fast with it as we used to be there is a rather splendid archive on the lbc website where you can see questions that have been dealt with in the past and it gives you a slight sense to um uh what what if you're new to it of what the kind of stuff that we cover the kind of stuff that we do um lines two and three are currently clear because the people that were occupying them moments ago have been sent away with a very polite flea in their ear their questions were either rubbish repetitious or dull if it's a question about motoring put your phone away it's highly unlikely that that will get through uh that's pretty much the only rules i can give you if you are answering a question and when i ask what your qualifications are because you have to provide me with something that makes your answer credible it could be something as simple as having seen it on telly last night or it could be the fact that you're the professor of the public understanding of science at the university of brighton who is our most decorated mystery hour contributor but if your qualifications are unbelievably relevant um in other words if it's a question about uh, i don't know cat size in the road and you are the bloke what invented cat size in the road then you will receive the most glittering prize that British Radio has to offer. I mean, a mystery hour round of applause, that's up there. That's big. That's huge. People have been known to to fight in the streets over a mystery hour round of applause. But the biggest prize of all is the Radiota. And that is something that we will reserve for contributors whose qualifications for their contribution are breathtakingly strong it's not unique to mystery hour although i think we give out more in this hour than we do in the rest of the week's output combined but it but it means that if you ring in to answer a question that you are brilliantly qualified to answer you may get a radiota if you're wondering what that is you're going to have to carry on wondering until somebody actually secures one
12.08 is the time. Tom is in Lewisham. Tom, question or answer? Uh, question, please, James. Carry on, Tom. When a football clubs uh, buy or sell a player, uh, they have to undergo uh, medical. And I was wondering who performs the medical? Is it in-house from the selling club or from the buying club? Or do they have an association of medics that go round and do the medical? So, I, I, I mean, I, I'm poised to giggle at you a bit, if you don't well, mind. Why? Well, why? just a little bit, because, well, do you want to buy a car, mate? Yeah. Do you want to I, look under the bonnet? Do you want to look under the bonnet, or do you want to take my word for it that it is absolutely super-powered? Yeah, but this is what I mean. Who who does the medical? So, obviously... So, it's not going to be just the seller. I think we can probably work that out from the start. Otherwise, you know, it, 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 I, I, you know otherwise I'd be playing for, for Chelsea. So obviously they arrange and so the buyer a, a, does some sort of medical, but is there enough? I mean, and if the buyer's doing a medical, you wouldn't need an outside agency to do it because you you want to buy the player and you want him to be fit. But if he isn't, you're not going to buy him. You don't need. I, I would have thought it's just the buyer. Why do you want to know? I'm just intrigued. I Who have you got your eye on? Who have you got your eye on? <laughs> <laughs> no one for Kidderminster Harriers. Right. <laughs> you're telling me, flog everybody at the moment. I'm just. I'm still. I still don't. You know. I'm not guaranteed. I don't. No. I, no, well, someone will definitely know. If, if a famous footballer yeah, rings in, or, or a famous manager thank rings you. in, we'll, we'll give him a Ray Liotta. So it could, it could be double bubble this. But if it's, I mean, if it's if it's the buyer, I will give you the money myself because that would be like Brexit, wouldn't it? It'd be like buying a car on the say so of a bunch of snake oil salesmen and con artists. <sighs> a bit late now, lads. Samantha's in Watford. Samantha, question or answer? It's a question, please. Carry on. Okay, I was once told that if you buy bottles of wine with a concaved bottom, that it's a better quality wine and therefore you won't get a hangover as opposed to the bottles of wine that have a flat bottom. So now when I go shopping, I pick up bottles of wine, I touch the bottom of the bottle of wine, and if it's flat, I put it back. Um, and I don't know if I'm wasting my time. What's the price? Have you noticed a price difference between the flat? There is not much price difference. But also, why have some bottles of wine got concave and some flat? Is well, you're, only allowed, you're only allowed one question. Well, it's the same question, no, really, not. isn't it? But no, there must not. be a reason for the concave and flat. I, I don't. I mean, this is going to make me sound incredibly rarefied, Samantha, but I don't know that I've ever drunk wine out of a bottle that has a flat bottom. <laughs> you maybe didn't realise. I must have done, mustn't I? Do you know what it's called? You must have done. Do you know, you what, know? It's called a punt. It's one of my favourite words. No one knows this. A punt. The, 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 the concave bit. A dimple, if okay. you like. It's called a punt. And you want to know whether or not the punt, I mean, yes. the, the depth of the punt is, is related to the quality of the wine. Yes. So I need to secure my uh, wine drinking versus hangovers, and I need to know if I'm wasting my time. I, I I, yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't know that there's a relationship between the quality of the wine and the hangover, necessarily, unless well, you're drinking absolute toilet I'm, water. If you eat, drink some real plonk, then you're more likely to get a hangover, aren't do you? Think, you? Do, I don't know. I, I barely ever touch the stuff myself. I, 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 live, mostly, <laughs> I live mostly on crushed kale. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I sit down yeah. of an evening with a, with a small bowl of... Uh, locusts drinking the kale juice of a. I, I shall find out for you. There, there, there's got to be something in it. I'm 99% certain it's called a punt. If it's not called a punt, I apologise in advance. Does does the punt on the bottom of a bottle indicate the quality of the wine and or I'm going to allow Samantha her cheeky supplementary and or the nature of the quality, the quantity of the hangover. Uh, there should be a measure of her hangovers. That's a great one, actually, isn't it? That could be it. So, you know, like, you've got a Richter scale and you've got Celsius and you've got, um, 
all those other measures, metrics, centimetres, metres, millions. There should be one for hangovers. What would be the, what would be the why are you shaking your head at me? This is this is really good fun. What's the unit of measurement for a hangover? So you say, oh man, it's a eight stogies or something like that. I don't know. No, no just me. Garrett's in Chelmsford. Garrett, quick! I'm making a fool of myself. Interrupt. <laughs> Hi, James. Hello, uh, quick question. Yes. Um, do trees clean the air in winter when they don't have any leaves? No. Oh, that was quick. Well, I mean, because there's no photosynthesis, and, and photosynthesis is the process by which trees absorb carbon dioxide and, and, and release oxygen. So I can't see how without leaves... I mean, a decidu- an evergreen tree would, but a deciduous tree could can't, I don't think. I'm not going to give myself a round of applause, but if photosynthesis so is, is the process that we're talking about, photosynthesis needs chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is present in leaves. It's only present in live leaves, what are green, ergo. There can't be any photosynthesis without green leaves. In the absence of green leaves, there's no photosynthesis. In the absence of photosynthesis, there's no transformation of carbon dioxide into oxygen. I think you do. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because, you know me, modesty is my middle name. So I shall leave that on the board and wait to see if somebody else brings it in. Andrew's in Suffolk. Andrew, question or answer? Hi, I've got a question for you, James. Carry on. Uh, when I grew up in London, I used to have to take the underground uh, train with my brother, the Piccadilly Line, yes. into uh, South Kent, Earl's Court. And um, the, the train does a sort of big loop. Uh, and he used to tell me that that was because um, there was a plague burial pit that they had to go around rather than through. Um, and my brother didn't always uh, tell the absolute truth. Well, I, I, I don't want to sound ungrateful for your call, which I enjoy, but have you not thought of asking him? Is he still with us? Well, I don't think he would be uh, any more reliable now. Than he was <laughs> years ago. So if he was yanking your chain in 1978, he would be yanking your chain in 2019? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's uh, stubborn. I like that question a lot. There's um, at Sloan Square, which isn't on the Piccadilly line, obviously, but it's 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 one yeah, al- it's one along on the District and Circle. On Sloan Square, there's a river above the platform. I don't know if you've ever isn't noticed. There's, there's a massive pipe, which is actually a redirected river that they. Is it? Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that. I just assumed it was a drain. No, it's a it's a it's a redirected river that they had to kind of tunnel under and then and then keep wow. in place. So I love information like that, and we know there are a lot of plague pits. But whether or not that is a reason why the Piccadilly line between South Kensington and Earl's Court takes a peculiar turn, I do not know. So I will put it on the board for you. It's a lovely question. Had, had it been uh, Blackheath, or, you know, I would have believed that one, but... Uh, oh, really? Oh, uh, well, well, there's plague pits everywhere. I, I mean, yeah. I, 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 my, my instinct is, and I know a little bit about such matters, my instinct is they wouldn't have minded. They'd have ploughed on regardless right through the plague sure. pit. That's my... That, that, what's, what, someone's just said the word myth in my ear. What's a myth? The Sloan Square. Right. No, no, we're getting distracted now, Keith. Just because you're a regular listener doesn't mean you can join in. Seriously, Jones the Engineer was six years in this job before we started trying to provide answers on Mystery Hour. Andrew, I, I, I will try and find out. Well, I will find out. Well, I'll put it on the board. Is there a plague pit in South Kensington? Is that why the Piccadilly line, which goes quite deep, actually, deep, deep... Do you know what's most interesting about or not most interesting, but when I was about to start talking about the depth of the plague pits and I stopped myself, because the ground sinks. You build a house in London, it starts sinking almost immediately. It's only relatively recently with underpinning and foundations and and when you see a big skyscraper being built in the city, they'll dig an enormous hole 
before they build it, until relatively recently, probably this century, you can still see it in parts of London, where what is now the front door would have been a first floor window, and what was the front door is now the basement. You think I'm making this up? You probably you probably witnessed it yourself. The houses will sink. And if you really... There's a brilliant book. Um, actually, it's 12.16, and I'm trying to hit my junctions on time for, for, for this week, at least. This is LBC. It's God. In 7.3. It is. It's a river. Seriously. A river in a pipe going over the platform at Sloan Square Station. But is there a plague pit between South Kensington and Earl's Court, which explains the Piccadilly line's rather circuitous route? Do trees stop converting carbon dioxide into oxygen during the winter when they have no leaves? Uh, is there a relationship between the depth of the punt on the bottom of a wine bottle? That's the fancy pants term for the large dimple. Uh, and the quality of the wine and or the hangover that ensues. And who does footballers medicals? The club that he's leaving, the club that he or she is joining, or an independent body? Uh, any of those? David is in Evesham in Worcestershire. David, question or answer? It's a question, please, James. Carry on, David. Right, so uh, the other week I was having a shave, and because I'm a modern man, I put a bit of moisturiser on afterwards. And as I was doing I like that, it. my wife walked past. Oh, yes. And uh, she said, What? what a very big bathroom. Moisturiser on. Well, it, no, the door was open. Oh, I see. Um, so uh, um, I was putting moisturiser on it in a downward fashion. Yes. And she said, What on earth are you doing? You're not supposed to do that. You've got to put it on in an upwards fashion, otherwise, your skin will sag. And then she went further and said, you've got to dab it on with your ring finger around your eyes because the skin's too sensitive there. But it was mainly the upwards motion thing, and I, I wonder whether that was a uh, a true thing or not. Yeah, I don't think it sounds a bit daft to me. No offence to, well, to, to your good lady. Was, uh, but well, I, I, I do I do a very vigorous... But, you know. I, I mean, I, I do a very vigorous manipulation of, 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 of all that. I do circular motions quite quite robustly. Is that bad? Yeah. So oh, I don't know. Oh. I'm, I'm hoping someone out there might... How could it make your skin it? sag if you put it on that? Do you think? Okay, well, well I, I don't, well, I I don't know, know whether it's one of those modern no. tales. The, the thing mm. about a couple of metrosexuals like us, David, is that we generally just go with our instincts. <laughs> uh, instructions yeah. are for the birds, mate. I mean, as in the figure of speech, not as, <laughs> not as, in, a, not as in a slightly blokish synonym for females. <laughs> <laughs> God, this is all going horribly wrong. You're all nice there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. Is it true you have to moisturise upwards? Oh three four five six oh six oh nine. What else do you do? What else is part of your regime? Um, That's well, it. Sort of isn't it? You brush, right you br brush your teeth occasionally. Brush your teeth occasionally. I'm right. <laughs> Twelve twenty-two is the time. Is there anything in that? I mean, I used to work on a makeup counter. I may have shared this with you in the past, although my responsibilities were chiefly fragrances steve allen heard me yesterday um taking the proverbial out of his perfume range and, and he brought he brought one of them in today see if i told you how much steve allen spends on his scents oh rabia is in dubai rabia question or answer hi i have an answer and i waited years to possibly have an answer on mystery hour well here we are but international mystery hour today thanks to you i know I know, not European anymore, you're yeah. international. Carry on. Um, so the punt, I've never come across that term, actually, but... Uh, That's what uh, I'm here for. The depth I bet you didn't know there was a river at Sloan Square Station either, did you? 
No, that's new. Two things you've learned today. Two things you've learned today. Well, there's not a lot to see. It's just a big pipe. I wouldn't make a special visit. So certainly not coming over from Dubai, especially. But next time you are in Sloan Square, have a check it out. And there's a whopping great pipe going over the platform. Turns out it contains a river. Back to the wine bottles and the punts. No, I have a flag in my map already. Um, So it's the way you serve wine in fancy restaurants. It's the depth of it will correspond to to how big or how wide the bottle is. So um, in restaurants, um, they don't tip the bottle over like you and I would at home. They actually insert a thumb into that crevice and then balance the bottle from the, the, the base of it yes. in the hands. And that's how they tip it over. So but is there any uh, relationship you, between the... Because uh, that is actually how I pour wine. I, I, don't, I don't enjoy oh, you presuming sorry, that I, I do it. I do it like a <laughs> pleb. Um, is there a relationship between the punt and the quality of the wine? Because... Some bottles don't have any punt at all. They are puntless. Well, no, none that I've seen um, or come across in my studies. Um, it's just it's just that, really. Some champagne bottles uh, uh, play around with it. And also, if you get a bottle from Alsace, uh, from Germany or the French side, mm. um, uh, because those bottles are taller because they don't have shoulders. They're That's just right. very tapered, narrow neck. Yes. They might have a slightly deeper crevice oh, or a magnum, punt. which might don't have a, a slightly wider Don't crevice. call it a crevice. Call it a punt. Sorry. Okay, a punt, sorry. Right. Well, I'm not sure if it's a punt, but... It is a punt. Seriously, do you think I'm just having a punt? It's a punt. Uh, what are your qualifications? I mean, you've alluded to some qualifications, so I ask with a degree of confidence, Rabia, what are your qualifications? Well, there's there's a um, um, there's an association called the Wine, Spirit and Education Trust out of the UK, yes. and they have five levels, and I've done three of the five levels. So you're a sommelier? Um, I can be, yes. If I didn't, if I liked the hours, I could. But you're not yeah. doing it for work. You're doing it for fun. No, I, I'm just one of those people that has a PhD and everything. I can't. Just That's what I mean. You're doing it for the pleasure of the pleasure of learning and knowledge, and also the pleasure of drinking wine. But you're not. You're not employing yeah. this qualification in your work. No, I'm not. Good. I like it. I, I mean, I, I I got a mate. He'll be listening actually, so I'll give him a mention. Matthew, who lives in. Uh, in Dubai, and I was labouring under the oh. illusion it was really hard to get hold of booze out there, but he sent me a photograph recently, he sent me a small film recently of uh, a special promotion of my favourite brand of vodka that was being undertaken in Dubai, and he, he, he knew I'd be interested you're, to see it. You're kidding, this is a place to come to if you want to be absolutely legless. Oh, well, I, I shall take that under advisement. In the meantime, you get a round of applause. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much. But look up punt. Seriously, I don't make this stuff up. 12.26 is the time. Um, Quite a few people have been told by their wives or girlfriends that um, you should moisturise upwards. Actually, now that you mention it, it does actually ring a bell with me. But I can't believe that moisturising downwards would actually cause any... Well, if you're doing it a lot. Anyway, Steve's in Steve in it. Oh, man, you've no idea the pleasure that brings me, Steve. Hello, Jane. Hello, Steve, in Stevenage. Yeah. Oh, uh, whatever floats your boat. Oh, yeah. come on, man. But nice to speak to you Steve anyway, Jane. Stevenage. You never get, guess who's on the other line? David in, da- David in Davidstoke. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I'm making that up. I, 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 get, I might get a Baz in Basingstoke, but I st- I've got Steve in Stevenage. Not Pete from Peterborough. <laughs> well, one day, I'm only going to take calls from people whose name is echoed in their location, but I'm, I'm, I haven't got the confidence to do it yet, Stephen Stevenage. Question or answer, Stephen Stevenage? I've, I've got a question, please, James. Carry on. Uh, <laughs> there's, a bit of, uh, there's a bit of background to it. But oh, yeah. It, it's something that's been baffling me a long time. Um, 
and the question is really, why doesn't the water put out a gas flame when it's cutting underwater? All right, because I don't know if you went to the same chemistry lessons that I did. Mm-hmm. I know that a flame needs oxygen for yeah. it to burn. Yeah, right? and yeah. a gas cutter is basically a flame. So it's it's gas pumped through a pipe, and I don't even know how they light it, but they use it underwater to cut a hole in the side of ships and that well, kind of thing. There'll be, in the o- there'll be oxygen in the tank that the gas is in. Yeah, but the water's still... So what? So how can you have an underwater flame, is what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I didn't even yeah. know such a thing existed. Well, but it, it must do, mustn't it? Otherwise you'd have no oil rigs. Yeah, well, my granddad was oil a deep-sea diver. Was he? So, yeah, and my dad always told me he was the first one to ever use an acetylene gas cutter underwater. So no, I never... Yeah, and and I figured out why because he, he he eventually got to recover some gold off of uh, Jamaica, you know, in his uh, uh, one of his commissions, you know. So uh, crikey, what happened to the gold, Steve? Do we know? Uh, I think he got a percentage, like about one percent. It was an insurance recovery, okay. um, and he was sent out on a um, on a commission, hmm. uh, it was like the nineteen thirties, I think. All right. Uh, yeah, and uh, so they went out and. And he found the ship, and the ship was obviously upside down, and they couldn't get at the gold. Right. But he, but he knew which cabin it was in, and he worked out that he couldn't sort of dive under it, as it were. He had to, if he could get to it, he'd cut a hole in the ship. So they abandoned the, um, they abandoned the recovery and the salvage, and he'd come back to London. He lived in Chiswick as well, funny enough. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he'd come back to London. Whereabouts? Do you know whereabouts in Chiswick? Um... I don't, actually. Oh. Near the A4 somewhere. Well, that doesn't narrow it down, Stephen Stevenage. <laughs> well, there's nowhere, nowhere near Stevenage, I know that. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway, he went back two years later, after yeah. he'd figured out how to work this gas cutter underwater, well, and he cut a hole in the ship and, and pulled the gold out and got his reward. So there you gold. go. Going for gold he was, wasn't he? Yeah. I we love never that. saw any of it, obviously. Oh, what a great story. Um, I've forgotten the question. How do underwater cutters work? Gas cutters? How do underwater... Do, why doesn't the water... Yeah, I like that. Well, I was in Marrakesh last week, and there was a, 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 a fountain in the hotel courtyard that had gas and water coming out of it, like a flame and water coming out of it. But that's, that's not the same. high pressure or something, James. I don't yeah, know, but it's but... not underwater. It just—it was quite uh, funky looking at night time. I'm just mentioning it because I feel a bit out anecdoted, Steve. You're just showing off. No, well, you, you were showing off, mate. You're, you're <laughs> show, you, I'm just trying to keep up, pal, with your fantastic <laughs> family history. You should research your granddad. That'd be a book worth reading. I've tried. I've tried, and and uh, you know, we've got lots of photographs and pictures. Unfortunately, he died the year that uh, I was born. I oh. think I was three months old, so okay. I don't don't think I even sat on his knee, but. I'd love to have heard, heard well, how that's he did it. He's lived you know? a bit. He lived a bit, didn't he? I shall try and get you an answer to your question about how underwater oxyacetylene or, or whatever the correct phrase is, things can work, given that they're underwater. So you'd presume it would douse or extinguish the flame. Great stuff, Steve. Thank you. Um, if no, because you'll just make it up, won't you? If you are, you, you'll claim that you're called Dave and you'll ring Dag from Dagenham, Chiz from Chiswick, Pete from Peterborough, Keith from Keithley. It's twelve thirty-one. Philip Krisikos has your headlines. An Italian national has pleaded guilty to assault... 7-3. It's 12.36. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Uh, who does the medicals for footballers who are transferring from one club to another? Do trees stop producing oxygen uh, when they have no leaves on them? 
0345606973. And is there a plague pit between South Kensington and Earls Court, which explains why the Piccadilly line takes such a circuitous route? Have I missed any others? I think we're all right, are we on those? Oh, and uh, the underwater gas thing, of course, Stephen Stevenage. And moisturiser. Why have I stopped writing stuff down? Do, is it true that you have to moisturise upwards? Um, and how do underwater flames on, on cutters, how do they work, given that we would expect them to be extinguished by the fact that they're underwater, i.e. by the water? 12.36 is the time. Sarah is in Battersea. Question or answer, Sarah? It's an answer, James. Carry on. The footballers' medicals. Yes. It's the club that's buying them. Your Dr. Sarah. Carry on, Dr. Sarah. Uh, if you make an analogy with buying a house, yes. you know, as the purchaser, you're in charge of the assets, so it's you that gets the survey done. Yes. So it's the buying club that will do all the medicals, and that's cardiac and a musculoskeletal review. And after the survey, if it turns out that things are a lot worse than originally represented, you would pull out and not go ahead with the deal. Absolutely. Uh, unless, and, it's, unless it's Brexit. Yeah, uh, well... Yeah, let's not go there. But, no, let's not um, go there. Qualifications? Um, I used to be one of the Arsenal medical team. I was their radiologist, and part of that role was um, reviewing the by the purchased players' did, MRI scan. Did anyone ever get turned down? Did anyone ever lo- fail the medical? Not, not on my watch, no. no. Uh, wh- when did you stop doing that? I'm just trying to think of what players um, you might have examined. Uh, well, I can't tell you, unfortunately, but five or six years ago. Well, you can't so. tell me because of did non-disclosure type stuff. Um, yeah, patient confidentiality type stuff. But you can't, don't you be daft. You, you can tell me who, because you were a doctor at Arsenal, and I know the players that came, so they all got checked by you, didn't they? Well, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, there that, you go. That kind of stopped five or six years ago, so pretty much Arsenal's heyday. I was, Fair enough. I was there, so it's there, only since there. you left it's all gone downhill. Well, I like to think that. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. So does, so does Wenger, but you've got a much more powerful case than he does. Uh, round of applause for Sarah, please. Great work. I like that. It's a bit obvious, I felt. That's why I was giggling at the fellow who asked the original question over in Lewisham. But I, you, know, you know me, I don't like to be rude to callers, unless they're racists. Andy's in Solihull. Andy, question or answer? Question, James. Carry on, Andy. Um, how is the thermometer calibrated? I was thinking with the hot weather the other day when it was 21.2 degrees or something. Yeah. And I thought, well, there's no constant to calibrate the thermometer like there is with size if you've got that's a kilogram, you can measure it against something else. Yeah. But temperature is always moving. And so how do you know your thermometer's right? Uh, all right. I don't know if... Cali- you know what I, mean? I think I do, yeah. I mean, it's calibrate quite the right word. Um, it kind of is, but you're thinking well, more, how do you test it? How do you test it? Yeah. How do you check your, temp- yeah, your thermometer's it, it, accurate? If, you, if, you're, if you're making scales, you, you could have something there which you know weighs a kilogram. So you can put that on it, it will say one kilogram. And so you know, yeah, my scales work. Yeah. I think this is a good question. It might not be. We'll soon find out. Oh, it is. No, it definitely is. Well, no. I mean, you don't get to say that yourself because you asked it. You've got like a parental interest in this. It's, a, it's you know, I'm objective and I'm saying I think it's a good question, but it might not be. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. We will. We'll find out. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. How do you check a thermometer? Uh, why do underwater flames work? Uh, 
Is it true you have to moisturise upwards? Something about plagues, trees, and we've done the football. Uh, Daniel is in Huddersfield. Daniel, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on, Daniel. Um, it's for the underwater welding. Oh, yeah. Um, the acetylene torch works underwater because it's oxyacetylene, and it provides its oxygen. So the oxygen provides both the ignition heat source and the fuel. So it's two parts of the fire triangle itself. Kind of what I said, but a bit cleverer. <laughs> Is there no, there's no, someone suggested, um, someone very cheeky on Twitter who has stolen somebody else's Twitter account in hilarious fashion has suggested that you create a sort of bubble around the flame. In effect, yes, but it's the oxygen that's doing that. Yeah. So you're both right, but you get the qualifications? I br- uh, blend breathing gases for uh, technical scuba divers. Seriously? Uh, yes, it's. I have a. I have two jobs, but that is one of them. How many people do you think in the country do that roughly? Uh, in this country, um, I would imagine. I don't know, fifty people, fifty dive centres, maybe, maybe more. But uh, I do my work on the Red Sea. Can I give a shameless plug to the company? Absolutely. Well, I, yeah, of course you can. Yeah. That is Tech Deep in Haggadah in in Egypt. And you, you, you. You, you mix the gases that go into the tanks for cutting. Uh, yes, oh, no, for scuba, scuba divers. divers can't ah, so you're not doing the oxyacetylene stuff itself. You're just doing the tanks for the scuba drivers. No, but the uh, the gas blender course actually teaches about fires underwater and, and such things. Uh, so you have to study it in order to get the qualification. Keith says no, mate. So you get a round of applause, but you don't get a Rayleigh Otter. Oh. I know, he's a harsh judge. You should see that head shake, seriously. It's like a referee. Thank you, Paul. That's good work, though. I like that. And, and if he's mixing the gas for the tanks that the scuba divers are using to breathe, then he can't have one, can he? If he was... if he was, he made, It's all very well doing the same course, but you want to speak to someone who's actually putting together the... God, I nearly swore then. Putting together the stuff for the actual cutting. Good work, Daniel. Paul is... And anyway, he got a plug for his business, so he should be happy. Paul is in Croydon. Paul, question or answer? Question. Carry on. Why are barges... I was up in London the other day and I saw two barges being pulled up by a tug and the tide was against them and the and the, the, the pressure under the barge to pull these... Uh, on the, the tug to pull these barges up the Thames. The water yeah. was going everywhere. Why are they square? Why do they not have pointed edges? It would be easier for them to go through the water. The amount of energy to, to pull these barges against the, yeah. the tide was massive. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, the ships have pointed edges. Why do the barges... Why are they called barges? Barges? Yeah. I haven't got a clue. Why are they called barges? Well, where else do you use the word barge? Barge, when you barge into something, obviously, and, you, you know, they crash into things. And, yeah. yeah, so what would happen to the ship if the barge had a pointed edge when it barged into it? You could still you could still put um, protection around the front of a, a bug, because it's not like they're going that fast, is it? Do you no, know what I mean? No, but that, 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 I think I'm 99% sure the answer to the question is going to be that if you are using the ve- the vessel to bang into other vessels, to steer right. them through difficult waters and harbours and ports, if you had a pointed front on it, you'd, you'd sink the thing, mate. What you reckon? Oh, oh, it's better I'm than anything you've come convinced. up with. It's better than anything you've come up with, Paul. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It's, it's, it's good, but I'm still not convinced. I, I can't. I can't see the energy used to pull that through the Thames. It, 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 it is it, a lot of energy, but they've got nuts engines, haven't they? These barges. They're, 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 oh, they're, 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 for sure. They're like they something sure. out of Robot Wars. They've got so much power under the under the under the 
proverbial yeah. bonnet, but that must be the answer. It can't be another answer, Paul. Come on, Paul. Come on, mate. <laughs> well, it's, I'll have to accept that. It's got to be, hasn't it? Because I mean, a lot of the stuff, they're much, much more likely, whether you wanted to or not, to, to make contact at the point of the prow with the vehicle being tugged or barged. And if they did that with a pointy prow, then you'd have problems that you're not going to have with a flat prow. Well, I'll accept that. I'm taking a round of applause for that. You will. Well I am. Done. No, I am. I'll Don't shake your heads up. You, you will day. get me one day, but you're not getting me today, Paul. <laughs> Round of applause for me. Thank you very much. That must be it. And that is also why they are called barges, because they do a lot of barging. Coming up at one on LBC, Sheen 7-3. It's 12.48. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Um, there's a few things that still need answers. Can we get rid of some of these questions that we're not going to have time for? How do you calibrate a thermometer? How do you check that it's working? We've done the underwater stuff. Is it true you have to moisturise upwards? Is there a plague pit in South Kensington that explains why the Piccadilly line goes around the houses? And the trees question. Do trees stop producing oxygen when they ain't got no leaves? George is in Elstead. George, question or answer? Answer. Carry on, George. As uh, to your trees question. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, so the answer... If you're talking about oxygen, then uh, trees, as you said, don't photosynthesize in yeah. winter, so uh, they won't pull out oxygen. But in terms of other pollution, which I think the, the chap who asked the question mentioned just broadly about pollution, um, you do get trees that will do that all year round. And um, the, a tree that's quite common in London is the London plane tree. Yes. It's quite a, a common street tree. And if you look at the... the the bark on it, it flakes off in, in quite small pieces at, to reveal a lighter patch underneath. Yes. And the reason it gets dark is because it's picking up pollution Like particulates, the but it's, it's not yes. absorbing them then, uh, it, it, or processing them in any chemical sense, no, it's just it's, catching it, them. It's in, on the bark, and that's why they were planted, I think they're originally from Eastern Europe, uh, but that's why they were planted so much in... in towns and cities because of that um, property to bring um, to take particulate so I, 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 so, so you're, you're saying yes they do clean mm. the air a bit which i think was actually the specific question but i presumed it was yeah. referring more to photosynthesis so 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 it's a yes and a no really there's no with no yes. green leaves there's no chemical reaction yes but, and you, meant, you mentioned... Um, but it's like a net. Nitrous. It's like a net that catches pollution. It's why you're supposed to wear a face mask when you're trimming a hedge, because there'll be loads of dust and particles in a hedge, won't there? Yeah, exactly. I like that. Qualifications? Yeah. Uh, I did a degree in biology. I'll do. And I like, like trees as well. I, I like trees as well. Yeah. I really yeah. like trees. Have you ever done... There's a thing on the Isle of Wight where you can go right up one, you know, with special climbing stuff and have a little snooze up there. There's even a little kind of tent up a tree mm. Mm. How about that? no it's not that, like man. a tree house keith it's a tent up a tree all right it's a different from a tree house because it's a tent i don't know what a tree house is round of applause for george thank you very much thank you george Twelve fifty-one is the time tim's in high wickham tim question or answer all right james it's an answer carry on uh about the uh thermometers calibrating uh, what they generally do is they'll they'll have a test chamber which is basically a uh an area that's going to keep a very constant temperature that can be monitored and you'll they'll put uh, the thermocouple thermometers into those chambers and then what they tend to do is you it's not so much a calibration where they'll make it read the same they'll uh, do it at a bunch of different temperatures and then they'll give you a certificate which tells you you've got to add on you know 0.01 uh 
degrees to everything. So these are, these are for industrial thermometers, you, you, not for like the ones you'd use to cook your turkey with or something like that, or to, well, to check whether your child's got a fever? Yeah, a more uh, industrial uh, commercial thermometers. I like that. Qualifications? Uh, I'm an electrical engineer. I work for a company that uh, services and qualifies, uh, calibrates blood banks. So you calibrate thermometers then in your day job? Uh, arguably, to an extent, yes. Uh, but we'll get our thermometers that we'll use uh, to obviously verify everything. Uh, we send them off to UCAS and they send us back a certificate telling us basically how far they are out. How cool. Round of applause for Tim. Good grief. What a brilliant answer. I'll take that back. I thought it was a rubbish question. Or did I think it was a good question? I can't remember. Either way, brilliant answer. Sometimes rubbish questions have brilliant answers and brilliant questions have rubbish answers. Rubbish. Brilliant. What? Uh, Usman's in Holborn. Usman, question or answer? It is an answer. Carry on. Uh, so it's an answer to the uh, uh, plague pits question. Plague so pits, yes. Not, yeah. So there isn't a plague pit over there. How do you know? Um, although, uh, someone said you. Uh, yeah. but although uh, yeah, there is one there, but you, there is a website. And, and the reason I know this website is because I was told a couple of weeks ago by a friend of mine that Blackwall Tunnel is called Blackwall Tunnel for the same reason that there is a plague pit there. And I went, went to check it up and uh, I found this website. I think, I think if I remember correctly, it's historic-uk.com or .co.uk and they have an interactive map uh, where you see all the... Uh, you you can pit. have a look. And there's nothing in the South Kensington Earls Court area that would nothing. explain the route yeah. of the Piccadilly no. line. Um, that's a lovely answer. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where are you at the moment? You're on the tube at the moment as well. I am in the library. Oh, are you? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a history, history master student. Very noisy. Which library? Uh, no, I've just come outside to take the call. Well, are you at LSE so, then? Um, uh, King, King, King. Kings, just down by Ho, down by the Aldrich. Round of applause for Usman. Yeah. And get back Thank to your you. studies. You shouldn't be listening to mystery. How when you're revising for your masters? That's the only thing that keeps me sane. Get on with it. Seriously. And in fact, being a history student, you remind me, I was in the middle of recommending a book about underground London. In fact, I think it's called Underground London or Under London or London Under by, um, I've forgotten his name now, Peter Ackroyd. Absolutely fascinating. Archaeology wasn't really a big thing in London until the Blitz, you know. If you go back to the 19th century, there's one story Ackroyd tells about workmen working on Oxford Street and they just found a door. This is what I mean about the country sinking, the city sinks, because London's built on clay. They found a door in, in a basement in Oxford Street when they were building something there. And they opened the door and it had 16 steps leading down into what appeared to be a perfectly preserved, I think either a Roman crypt or a Roman bath, that would have been more or less at ground level when it was originally built, but it had sunk down into the clay. And because there was no reverence or respect for uh, antiquities, until relatively recently, the Victorians were kind of into it, but it was really only after the Blitz that London became properly explored under under the surface, street surface. Um, they just they just trashed the whole thing, carried on building the shop. Uh, and oddly, uh, uh, what my growing fan base in Kidderminster may be interested to know, something similar happened in Kidderminster when they built the Swan Centre. Tom Watson will appreciate this. Is they, they found an old wine vault under the Swan Centre, like an ancient wine vault. And, uh, and I think they knocked that down as well, because it was the 60s. Uh, and they all had punts. All the wines in, the, in there had punts in the bottom. 12.55 is the time. Mickey's in Greenwich. Mickey, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on, Mickey. Your barges are not barges. They're lighters. Oh. And they're built that way to maximise the amount of containers that will go in them. Where the rubbish in London now is containerised. Yeah. Dropped in the barges 
well, I'm calling them barges now. Sorry about <laughs> so that. I think you mean a lighter, a lighter, Michael. I think you mean a lighter. <clears throat> That's it. That's what I mean. So... Uh, the-, the squareness is also... Uh, some was built like that. They used to have lighter aboard ship called Lashy at one time. So it's got nothing to do uh, with smashing into other ships and sinking them? No, nothing to do with that at all. Are you sure? Oh, I'm absolutely sure. So I owe Paul an apology? You do. And I have to give you my round of applause? Thank you. Qualifications? Lighterman. Oh. I can't really argue with that, can I? Not really. Well, no, hang on, because he's not talking about barges in the sense that you are with lighters. He's talking more about what you'd call a tugboat. No, the tug is actually pushing them or pulling them. Which is why it can't have a pointy front. It can't have a pointy front if it's pushing them. The, The lighter itself has no engine. They are dumb lighters. He wasn't talking about lighters, Mickey. He was talking what about barges, t- tugs. <laughs> the, the tug is a different thing. I know it is, but he was talking about tugs, and he said barges when he meant tugs, not lighters. What what he had seen yeah. is a tug. But it had an engine, because he kept talking about all the power it needed to move, so it had an engine yeah. in it. It wasn't a the, lighter. The lighter will not have an engine. But the tug it, will. The tug pulls the lighter. And it pushes as well, which is why it can't have a pointy front. Because it would pierce the hull of the pushy. No. Yes. No, James. You've yes, got Mickey. It wrong again. I have not. Don't be tricky, Mickey. I've got this one absolutely right. He was talking about tugs. He said barges. You thought he meant lighters. Oh, I don't know where you're going with this, James. Give him a round of applause. Really? Give him a round of applause for putting up with me. Seriously, I wouldn't have done. I'd have hung up 20 minutes ago. 12.57 is the time. I don't know. You girl is in Cambridge. You girl, question or answer? Hi, it's an answer. Carry on. It's the answer to the uh, moisturising question. Sorry, it's you gel, apparently, uh, not you girl. I you, do apologise. Yes, you, you, no, that's OK. All right. Uh, Should you the, moisturise uh, upwards? Is it true you have to moisturise upwards, otherwise your face will go all saggy? No, it doesn't. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a barber in trade. I do lecture at colleges, teaching barbering. Fair enough. And uh, recently I just came second in the UK in shaving. In the uh, UK Congratulations. competition. Congratulations. Who came Thank first? You. Uh, a good friend of mine who was my, you know, are you, came st- first. <laughs> are you still friends? Yes, yes, we're still You know friends, what Gore yes. Vidal said about people like you and your friend in the international shaving competition? He said, Every time a friend of mine succeeds, a little bit of me dies. <laughs> no, no, I'm proud of him. Uh, good. It was my mistake. It so was my mistake. What, what did no, you do no, wrong? Did you, did you cut someone? Uh, yeah, the really thick. Beard and uh, I should have trimmed it down with a clipper first. And you went straight. You went straight in with the razor. You gel, mate. What were you thinking? Yeah, well, it was too thick. I couldn't. Um, this is this is now related to the question. You should have uh, gone in with the clippers yeah. first, mate. Got it down to a nice manageable bristle. Yeah, you you, you need to moisture. You need to uh, lather the um, the beard very well. Of course you do. Soften it up, mate. Sebace- bit, bit rehydrate yeah, it sebace- for the sebaceous glands. I know all this. The, what? The um, hang on, hang on, hang on. How do you know you're yeah. not supposed to? What's it upwards? Moisturize upwards. Well, I mean, if you, we have to moisturise downwards, first of all, to, to, to withdraw the blood yes. from the skin, so to close the pores. Yes. And and massaging any direction would benefit That's the skin. That's what I thought, any direction at all. Round of applause for any you, Giles. Di- yeah, second, you know, second best shaver in the country. Where's your shop? What's your shop called in Cambridge? We, uh, Mr Barber's in Cambridge. Mr Barber's? Yeah, M R Mr Barber's. Well, I know Mr Barber, I don't have to spell it for me, mate. <laughs> 
Mis- well, it's not as a word, it's MR. Thanks <laughs> for that, Mr. Barber. Get yourself down to you, Joe. Tell him I sent you. But be careful if you've got a particularly bristly beard, because they're not his forte. If you've got a particularly <laughs> bristly beard, go and see his mate. His mate came first. Here's Sheila Fogarty. Uh, thanks, James. That was fascinating Very insight well. into male grooming. Thank you. Um, what else <clears> do you want to know? <laughs> well, we can talk later. If a white person, especially a famous one, publicly helps an African person, is anything about that a bad thing? I know you've been talking about 